are in a series right now, The One True God. Jesus said in John 17, 3, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. We want to know the one true God, not some made-up God. You know, not, not a God, certainly, that the world made up, and, and not even a God that was conjured up by religious ideas and not a God of our own imagination. But we want to know the God of the Scriptures, the God that the Scriptures describe to us and tell us about. He has revealed Himself to us in truth in the Word of God. And so that's where we look to really know God. We want a real relationship with Him. Not just some fantasy, but a real relationship with God. And we can only know the true God through the Word of God. You know, there are some things that are really popular to talk about in the religious culture of the day. We talk about God is love and God forgives. And even what we talked about last week, that God is good. And listen to me, those are powerful truths about God. Wonderful truths that every believer, in, in fact, the whole world needs to know. Amen. They need to know that our God is love and that He's good and that He forgives. They need to know that those are wonderful truths. But then there are also some things about God that are not very popular to talk about in the religious culture of the day. And if we really want to know Him, we need to know those things too. Amen. Not just the things that are comfortable to us, not just the things maybe that appeal to us. No, there are things that are talked about in the Scripture over and over and over again, and yet so much of the time it is left out of preaching and teaching and conversation today between believers. If we really want to know the one true God... We need, we need to know Him as God, the judge of all. Oh, I appreciate that. Y'all made a little noise. I appreciate that. As, you know, I knew that nobody was going to shout me down and get all excited about it, but I just want you to know that this is a good thing. I mean, from the very beginning, is there some things that might make us uncomfortable about that? Yes, but it's a good thing that He is the judge of all. What if God was actually watching every person on planet earth and he was going to judge us according to what we did? Just think about that for a second. You might say, oh, I don't believe that. Okay, but just, just what if? What if there was coming a day when God would make everything right? Wow, what if? Would it change the way we would handle it when we're wronged? Would it change the way that we lived our lives and conducted ourselves and the way that we talked if we knew that there would come a day that we would give an account? I'll tell you, our Father in heaven who sees all, He sees everything. He hears everything. The psalmist said, you know before a word is on my tongue, you know it all together. I mean... Every thought, he knows everything, past, present, and future. I've heard some ridiculous 
so-called Bible teachers that when God asks a question in the scripture, they say, see, God doesn't really know everything. Listen, when God asks a question, it is not for his benefit because he doesn't know the answer. It is for our benefit. I mean, in the book of Genesis, when God comes walking in the garden and he says, Adam, where are you? It's not because God didn't know he was hiding in the bushes. How dumb do you got to be to think that God couldn't see in the bushes? When he asks a question, it's not for his benefit. It's always for ours. He knows absolutely everything. And this one that sees everything, hears everything, knows everything, he's the judge of all the earth. And I'll tell you, that can be a scary thing, but it is also an awesome and powerful and wonderful truth. But I got to tell you, this is a truth that's just been kind of pushed aside by politically correct culture. And listen, by religion that tries to make God more acceptable. Let's don't talk about that. You know, we've learned better. You know, we've learned better. We don't talk about judgment anymore. We don't talk about God as judge anymore. Oh, that's that's the old-fashioned religion. We don't talk about such things. It might turn somebody off. I tell you, the Bible speaks of these things over and over and over again. The Scripture tells us that God is the judge of all. It's somewhat uncomfortable to preach a message like this because it's so contrary to the attitude of the day. And I I mean, I, I got feet of clay. I got all kinds of faults and flaws and Listen, I'm very, very human. I, I, I would like for everybody to like me. Now, I've, at, you know, 62 years of age, I figured out that not everybody's gonna. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I ain't everybody's cup of tea. I get that. But as a preacher, I mean, I would like for people to like my preaching. And so I would rather just avoid messages like this. I want to be one of those popular preaches, preachers. You know what I'm saying? But here's the thing. I know that we need the whole counsel of the Word of God. We need to hear not just the truth we like. We need to hear all the truth. But I really believe that if we're sincere and our hearts are right with God, this is not something that we dread. No, this is something that we love about our God, that He is the judge of all the earth. We need to see it in the Word of God. So I'm going to give you quite a bit of Scripture, but I'll tell you, we need this. Most people... You just don't often speak about the Lord being judge. We just rather talk about, well, love and mercy. But, you know, as we said a few weeks ago, you know, until we understand His holiness, we don't understand the depths, the awesomeness of His love. And until we understand that God is judge, we don't really understand the gravity How awesome is his mercy? In fact, if he's not the judge, we don't even need mercy. If he's not the judge, we don't even need a savior. He is a just judge. And that's why Jesus had to die on the cross to redeem us. Because he is a just judge. The judge of all. Years ago, they were wanting to learn how Americans feel about prayer. And so Life magazine interviewed 
dozens of people. And one person that they talked to was a prostitute. And they asked her how she felt about prayer. And she said, I don't think about my feelings a lot. Instead, I lie in my bed and think on to him. I meditate because sometimes my words don't come out right. Man, I can relate to that. But he can find me. He can find what's inside of me just by listening to my thoughts. I ask him to help me and keep me going. You know, some of what she says has a ring of truth to it. And then she goes on, she says, A lot of people think that working girls don't have any morals, any religion, but I do. I don't steal, I don't lie. The way I look at it, I'm not sinning. He's not going to judge me. I don't think God judges anybody. And what an example that is of the religious culture of the day in America where we've created a God in our own minds that never judges anybody instead of seeking to know Him as He truly is. I know it might make ungodly people or people that are living in sin uncomfortable, but this is a truth that we need to know, that God really is the judge of all. Grace doesn't mean that it doesn't matter how we live. I want you to know we believe in grace in this church. It's grace church, all right? We believe in God's grace. If not for the grace of God, none of us would be here. I'm just telling you, we believe in God's grace. But God's grace in no way means that we can just live however we want. It don't matter how we live. No, God is still the judge of all the earth. We need to know this truth. I believe it'll change the way we live. It'll change the way that we look at things. This isn't an Old Testament thing. You know, God being judge is spoken of literally from Genesis to Revelation. All through the Bible, it talks about it in one way or another hundreds of times. And it's not an Old Testament thing. You know, you see this frequently in the Old Testament where God judged and brought judgment, but it's actually spoken of more times or more frequently in the New Testament than the Old Testament. Amazing how we dance around it and and don't talk about it, don't preach it, skip those passages... We need to read what the Bible says. And so we're going to touch on a little of that today. But I tell you, it's all through the Bible. Jesus talked about it a lot. Our Savior. He talked about judgment a lot. The day of judgment. Paul wrote about it again and again. John wrote about it. Especially in the book of Revelation. And Peter wrote about it. I'm telling you, this is something that is all through the Scripture that we can't ignore. We need to know about God. So much of the Word of God depicts a spiritual courtroom. Throughout the New Testament especially, you see terminology, this courtroom terminology that's used over and over again, not only referring to God as judge, that's a courtroom, right? But it also speaks sometimes of a charge being brought. Anybody ever been charged? Well, it also talks about guilt, talks about being justified or acquitted, same meaning. It talks about the law. 
It talks about witnesses. It talks about testimony. It talks about accusers. I'm just telling you this courtroom terminology is all through the New Testament. And we need to see what this is really all about. Because so few people really know him as judge. And it is another reason that there is so little fear of God in our culture today. They don't see God as judge, and so it doesn't matter how I live or what I do. And it is amazing to me that though some of those who call themselves Christians do wrong, mistreat people, do things that they know aren't right, aren't pleasing to God, but they think it doesn't matter because they don't know this truth, that He is the judge of all. And we should every day live our lives before Him in the fear of the Lord. Some people think that if you talk about God being judge, it's going to alienate people because we're making, we're making God seem unapproachable. It, you know, if he's the judge, then how, how can I, I don't want to talk to him. I'm, you know, we'll be afraid of him. I don't want to, I, I can't get close to a God who is the judge. But that's not what I see in the scripture. In fact, starting in Genesis chapter 18, there's a man there named Abraham that the Bible says he was the friend of God. In fact, God himself says Abraham was his friend. This guy has a close relationship with God, so much so that when God is about to judge Sodom and Gomorrah and destroy those two wicked cities, he says, God says, I'm not going to do this without telling my friend Abraham. I'm going to talk to Abraham about this first. And he goes, he has a conversation with Abraham. And some of you know the story and how Abraham asked God, are you going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? What if there's 50 righteous? And he gets all the way down to 10. What if there's 10 righteous? And God says, if there's 10, I'll spare the whole two cities. But there wasn't even 10. There was only Lot and his family. But guess what? God spared Lot and his family. He got them out of the city before he destroyed it. Strange to me if you read the Bible, and I challenge all of you to read the Bible. I'm just telling you, I hope that I stir you up today. I hope that you'll go read the scripture for yourself and see what this crazy preacher is telling you is really in the Bible. But when you read about Lot and you read about what happens with Lot's family after this, you'll just kind of wonder, wow, this was the righteous guy? Because it's pretty amazing how gracious God is. But I want you to see what Abraham said as he's talking to the Lord in Genesis 18.25. He says, far be it from you. He's like, God, there's no way you would do this. Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. See, Abraham, God's friend, he acknowledged, he knew that God was the judge of all the earth. He also knew that he would do right, and he did. Psalm 711 says, God is a just judge. That means that he does justice, that he is always fair. He is a just judge. I love this truth, that my Father in heaven is the judge because I know that he's always fair. I know that he always does what is right and that he is the judge over all the earth. Anybody had a 
an employer that was unfair? Okay, let's just do this. Just humor me. Raise your hand. Anybody had an... Some of you are thinking, well, I work at the church. I don't raise my hand. <laughs> yeah, keep your hand down. Just saying. I'm going to tell you, I worked for a pastor one time that changed my wages. I feel like Jacob, you know. I, I, privately to my wife, I called him Uncle Laban. You know what I'm saying? Some of you know what I'm saying. The rest of you, go read your Bibles. Stir some people up to read their Bibles. But anyway... Yeah, you know what? Most everybody's had an employer that was unfair at some time. You ever felt like a teacher was unfair, young people? I had a whole bunch of those. I mean, I, I think they were all unfair, just saying. <laughs> Not really. Just most of them. Anybody ever thought an umpire or a referee was unfair? Oh, man. How many of you have watched an entire game and never saw any wrong calls? No hands? Somebody. You just don't want to be the only one. No, we can't hardly watch a game without seeing some unfair calls. How about those Super Bowls? It seems like they go out of their way to mess those up. You know what I'm saying? And how terrible it is when it wrecks the outcome of the game. You know, one bad call and you never know what lasting effect it could have had. But lots of things unfair in this world. One thing that kind of helps a little bit with football, at least, is that instant replay thing, right? I mean, I know it's controversial. Some people think it ruined the game, but at least sometimes they can go back and correct it when they made a mistake. I want to tell you something about the Lord. He doesn't need instant replay. He always gets it right the first time. He always has the right angle to see exactly what's going on. (laughs) I'm just telling you. He is the just judge. He knows everything about the situation. He doesn't, you know, we just deal with the right here and the right now, what we see and what we know, and sometimes we think we know. He really knows. He knows what was said in secret. He knows what happened leading up to this, and he knows what's going to happen later on. He's the only one who can absolutely be the just judge. Because he knows everything, and we need to trust him. You know, we've been talking about sports and how those umpires and referees, they make mistakes. George Will writes in a book called Men at Work, baseball umpires are carved from granite stuffed with microchips. They're professional dispensers of pure justice. Once one of them called Babe Ruth out on strikes, And Babe Ruth said, there's 40,000 people here who know that last one was a ball tomato head. The umpire said, maybe so, but mine is the only opinion that counts. And you know what I want to tell you this morning? That when it's all said and done, it doesn't matter what popular opinion is. doesn't matter what people say, what people think. His opinion is the only one that really matters in eternity. He's the only one. See, when, when people want to question whether or not God is just or fair... He's the one that decides what just is. And who are we to question him and to bring accusation against the Lord and to act like that he has mistreated us? I'm telling you, we just don't know everything there is to know. Anybody ever felt like you were mistreated by a parent? 
Oh, they're unfair. They treated your sibling different than they treated you. They punished you when you shouldn't have been punished. So many injustices in our world. The list just goes on and on. So many things that are unfair. And yet somehow, sometimes it seems like people blame the Lord and feel like even God has been unfair. We need to remember, He knows everything. And our view of things so often is skewed. If nothing else, it is skewed by our own feelings and desires. We need to learn to trust God and instead just believe that He always judges rightly. We all, sooner or later, make choices We have to decide, do I trust God or do I think that God is unfair? Do I think that God has done wrong? I want to encourage you this morning to trust Him, to just turn that over to Him and trust Him that He is good, He is a loving God. And yes, He is the judge of all the earth and He will make things right. He is worthy of your trust. No believer who has received God's forgiveness, no child of God who's been washed in the blood of Jesus should ever, ever say that God is unfair. Uh, You need to get that completely out of your heart, out of your mind. You need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that He is always fair. In fact, He's more than fair. I mean, you know, it's sometimes it's, it's kind of like God hasn't been fair, like, like we deserve different, we deserve better. Anybody know what we deserve? What do we deserve? We deserve hell, and yet our God is so kind and merciful to us. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 103, verse 10 through 12. I'm going to read it from the NIV. It says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve. What do we deserve? I'm telling you, not good. No, we've all sinned. We've all messed up. And yet our Father, He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. See, He is forgiving and kind and loving. And we can never say, He hasn't treated me right. One of the reasons I love the Lord and love this about Him, that He is the judge of all, is that He will right the wrongs. Sometimes justice is slow. You know, even in this world, whether it's criminal or civil cases, sometimes they can take years. And it just is amazing how long that process can be. And you know, when it comes to the Lord making it right, Sometimes it's a day, sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's years, and sometimes it will not be made right until eternity. But know this, that He will make it right because the judge of all the earth will do right. He is a just judge. When you're being mistreated, when somebody has wronged you, I know that it can be hard You know, to wait and to be patient and to just trust God. 
because he is long-suffering and merciful. He gives people every possible chance to repent. But know this, that God will make it right. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 in the NIV says this, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. Somebody treating you wrong, somebody wronging you, God will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. He says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. I'm telling you, God is well able to make things right. And we need to learn to trust Him. You see, when those things happen, so often they vex our soul. They, they trouble us, not just on the outside, but on the inside. And here's the thing. You see, we need to understand that our Father, He's the judge of all. I can trust Him to take care of this. He's going to make this right. They troubled me. Oh, my Father, He's going to trouble them. I don't know when. I don't know how it's going to happen. But I know that God will make this right. It'll free you. See, truth sets free. It'll free you up. It'll get you out from under that, that old burden, that, that desire for revenge and carrying that around with you. I'm telling you, God will free you from that bitterness. Trust Him to do what's right. Trust Him to make it right. Jesus, in Luke chapter 18, tells a parable to encourage us to keep praying, to always pray. But there's really some powerful things that he says here about our Father. He says, beginning in verse 1, he says that men are always to pray and and not lose heart. And here's what he says. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man... Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continually coming she weary me. So this ungodly judge, he didn't care about people. But just because she wearied him, he said, I'm going to do what she wants. Jesus says, verse 6, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them. Yes, God is long-suffering. He says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Our Heavenly Father will avenge us. He will make it right. He is a just judge, and he absolutely will make it right. When he comes, will he find faith on the earth? Listen, in the context of what Jesus is talking about, do we have the faith to trust God to make it right, to take care of things? Do we have the faith to acknowledge that he is a judge who will avenge us and make it right? Oh, we need to see him that way. You know, sometimes when people are wronged, they say, this ain't over, right? Well, I'm going to tell you this morning, it ain't over. Because he's going to make it right. He's going to take care of it. You know, sometimes people say that, this ain't over. It's like, I'm going I'm to get you. But no, it ain't over because our Heavenly Father is going to take care of it. He's the one that makes it right. There is a day coming when the judge of all the earth will make it right. You know, when you talk about people mistreating you, 
and how we should handle that. Our Lord Jesus is always our example. 1 Peter 2.23 says when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. See, when people are attacking you, saying bad things about you, don't respond in kind. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he committed himself to him who judges righteously. See, he just trusted his heavenly Father to judge righteously, to take care of it. And that's what we have to learn to do. Trust the judge of all the earth that he will make this right. He'll take care of it. We don't have to, we don't have to defend. We don't have to avenge ourselves. We just need to trust our Father. He is the judge of all the earth. This is a truth we need to know that we know that we know. He really is the judge of all the earth. And he will make it right. And we should never try to take his place as judge. Anytime we do, we're headed for trouble. James chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, it says, Do not speak evil one of another, brethren, He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's one lawgiver who's able to save and to destroy. Who are you? Who are you to judge another? There's only one who's qualified to judge. It's not us. Who are you to judge another? Jesus says it himself in Matthew chapter 7, beginning from verse 1. He says, judge not that you be not judged. Don't judge. It's not our place. It's his place, and he will do it. Now, there is one time I see in the Scripture, in the New Testament, where we're supposed to judge. And that is when somebody, a believer, is living in open and blatant sin that's bringing reproach on the name of Christ and church leadership exercises discipline to restore that individual. And i got to tell you, that's almost never ever done. But there's a lot of judging that just goes on amongst the people of God that shouldn't be happening. We don't judge one another. We don't speak evil of one another. Here's what Jesus says. For what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. See, we all would like justice and judgment on our enemies. But when it comes to me and mine, we all want mercy. Amen? So, it's not our place to judge. We need to leave that to God. And He'll take care of it. Leave the judging to the Lord. Is there ever a time that God would judge His people? Is that a good thing? Yes. Yes, it is. Many times the Lord brings judgment in this world to turn people from eternal judgment. You see this principle over and over in the Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, so many times during times of blessing and prosperity, the people would drift away from God and they would begin to do evil things and even worship false gods. And then judgment would come and they would turn back to God and get right with God. Was that a good thing? Yes, it was a good thing. 
It saved them from hell. It turned them back to God. That's a good thing. We need to know that. I want you to see this in the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to go to 27 through 32. The Apostle Paul rebukes the Corinthians because they had turned communion into some kind of an ungodly feast. He even says some of them were getting drunk. I mean, this was a, an ungodly thing. You know, the Corinthian church was a great church, and a lot of wonderful things happened there, but man, they... They were messed up in some ways. And this was one of the ways that they were really messed up. And so when they were supposed to be observing the Lord's Supper, it was this ungodly feast. And Paul rebukes them. And I want to read that here from verse 27. He says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Now, I, I just want you to think about this for a moment. That, first of all, when we receive communion, this is not just some worthless ritual that we do. We are literally observing the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord and Savior, and this is a holy thing. But I also, I also want you to see the principle here that when people show disregard for holy things, for spiritual things, they are putting, they're treading on dangerous territory because our God is a consuming fire. That's Hebrews chapter 12. That's not Old Testament. And we need to worship Him with fear and reverence. That's what the Bible says. How has this been taken out of Christianity today? They made a joke out of communion. And Paul says, you're bringing judgment on yourself. Verse 30, he goes on, he says, That is why many are weak and sick, and a, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, see, if we would correct ourselves and do right, he said, we would not come under judgment when we are judged by the Lord. Now, just think about this phrase for just a minute. This is New Testament. This is Paul the grace preacher, right? I mean, this guy preached grace all the time. And he says, when we are judged by the Lord. See, that phrase right there, that doesn't even fit with some people's theology. Listen, if the Bible wrecks your theology, it needs to be wrecked. It all fits together. And listen, I understand that what I'm preaching today is, is like weird to some people because it's never preached, but it needs to be. We need to know our God as the judge of all the earth. And Paul says, when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. Is it a good thing when God judges us that way? Yes, yes, it's so much better than being condemned with the world. He loves us, He's for us, and sometimes He judges us for our benefit. And he tells the lukewarm church in Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. 
See, sometimes he corrects us, he rebukes us, he even disciplines us. So be earnest and repent, he says. You see, he will turn us from our ways. When we've been doing wrong, when we're not not really serving God with a whole heart, when there are things in our life that aren't pleasing to the Lord, when we've just been playing church, being lukewarm, He wants to correct us. He wants to discipline us. He wants to bring us back into a close relationship with Himself. So yes, sometimes it is a good thing when God judges His people. He warns us. He warns us in Revelation 3.19 there to repent. Jude verse 4 says, There are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign Lord. They change the grace of God into a license for immorality. They think that because of the grace of God, it doesn't matter how they live. They can just do whatever they want because, you know, we're under grace. God forgives, so what? That's not what grace is for. No. Grace, grace is for us when we turn to God, when we, when we seek His forgiveness. He is so gracious and kind. He is a God who is ready to forgive. But it is not a game. We don't mock God. In fact, the Bible tells us in Galatians 6, 7, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps whatever he sows. See, we sow, we sow bad seed and, and then bad things happen and, and we say, well, God's not fair. Why did God do this to me? It's the law of sowing and reaping. Amen. God is not mocked. And I'm just telling you that if we know that our God really is the judge of all, it'll change the way we live. It'll change the way we walk before Him the way we think, you know, He loves us. He's for us. His forgiveness is available to us. First John tells us that Jesus Christ is our advocate with the Father. In this spiritual courtroom, the wages of sin is death. But Jesus Christ has already paid that price so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be with Him in eternity in heaven. In Revelation, Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. And oh, how Satan will try to beat you down with guilt and accuse you when you've done wrong. I want you to remember this from Romans 8, 33 and 34. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? See, Satan tries to bring charges against you. They're not going to stick. You know why? It is God who justifies. He quits us. Who is he who condemns? It's Christ Jesus who died and furthermore is also risen, who's even at the right hand of God, who, has, who makes intercession for us. You see, we've been justified. Jesus is interceding for us so that we are forgiven. He took our punishment. And today, he still intercedes on our behalf. And so we need to know that yes, our God is the judge of all. But He loves us and He's for us. It's not something that we should be afraid of, but rather something that we should embrace. You know, when we look forward to the day of judgment, 
we, we can look forward to that day without fear because of Jesus. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4, 17 and 18, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. How can we have boldness? Because of Jesus. Because as He is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. You see, we need to always walk in the fear of the Lord. We always live our lives with regard and respect for the Lord. But we're not afraid. We are not afraid of eternity because we know for certain that our Savior has paid the price that we have been justified by His death. And He loves us. So we, we don't allow fear to put us in that old bondage anymore. No, we've been made perfect in love. We're not afraid of that day. That day that Jesus talked about so many times, He made it clear there is a day of judgment that is coming. The wicked will be judged for punishment. We're going to jump to Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. There are several passages that speak of this but this one in particular just kind of spells it out and lays it out for us in such detail. John writes, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. I mean, you know, in our day and time, with computer graphics, you can see movies and things that are pretty wild. But this is amazing. His face, heaven and earth, fled from his presence. And there was no place for them. You see, we cannot really even imagine the glory and the majesty, the awesomeness of our God. Heaven and earth fled away from his presence. And there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which are written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Have you made Jesus your Lord and Savior? Not pretending, but for real. Made Jesus your Lord and Savior that you put your trust in Him. If you have, then your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But I want you to see here just a little detail. Where will Satan and his angels and those who have rejected Jesus spend eternity? The lake of fire. Right. Well, you know, when I was a youth pastor, you get to have fun with these things. I used, I, I used to say, if you lie, you fry. If you fake, you bake in the lake. And, you know, but... All joking aside, that day is coming. And it ought to, you see, it ought to drive us. It ought to push us to want to reach. I tell you, our Father, He wants us to reach right. as many, all that we can. Right. 
but also the righteous will be judged for reward. In Revelations 22 and 12, Jesus says, Behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. You'll notice here that he did not say, I'm going to give to everybody the same. You know, you're all my kids, and so I'm going to give everybody the same. No, that's not at all what it says. He's going to give to each one according to their work. See, people have all kinds of weird ideas about heaven. I mean, some of these perverted religions telling people, you know, they act like, well, when you die, you know, you're going to be floating around on clouds and beautiful women feeding you grapes. You're going to have 70 virgins. Where do they get this garbage? That is not at all what heaven is like. Here's a kind of a Christianized version. Well, you know, when we get to heaven, we're all going to be rewarded. You know, it's just going to be nice for everybody. Let me tell you something. It's going to be wonderful there. But we're not all getting the same reward. We're... Each and every one of us will individually be rewarded for what we've done in this life. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10, it says, Paul says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. You ought to make it the goal of your life to please the Lord. That's the most important thing in this life is that we please God. Now, that covers a whole lot of things, like reaching people. Loving people, doing what we're supposed to do. But this sums it up. Please the Lord. Be well, we make it our goal. We make it our aim to be well-pleasing to God. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Everybody, every believer will appear at the judgment seat of Christ. We are going to be judged in eternity. We're not going to be judged and sent to the lake of fire because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. But we will be judged that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We're all going to appear at the judgment seat of Christ and our reward in heaven is going to be determined by what we've done in this life. One more passage I want to look at about that. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. The Apostle Paul writes... No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day, he's talking about the day of judgment, the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so through the fire. You see, what we do for God, and how we live and serve the Lord and obey God, those things are gold, silver, precious stone that will last through the fire. You see, when we love our neighbors ourselves, when we love our enemies, those kinds of things are something that will last through the fire. And our service and work for the Lord and being used of God to reach people and however we might serve the Lord that way, I'm just telling you, those are things that will last through the fire. 
but there are going to be a lot of people on that day. They're going to survive. They're going to be saved through the fire, but they're not going to have a reward because they wasted their opportunities here on earth to really be used of God, to really live their life for God. They played church. They were just kind of in and out and up and down. They never got really serious with God. And I'm just telling you, on that day, we will all be judged for reward. And I know that in heaven, there's not supposed to be any tears. He's going to wipe our tears away. But I think there's going to be some regret when people look back and they see what could have been and what they could have done. We will be judged for reward. Every one of us who knows the Lord. One last passage I want to read this morning. You see, we need to live every day in view of that day. Sometimes we just live for the moment, but we need to always live with that day in view. A few weeks ago, I shared with you a message about God is holy, and I read this passage, but I need to read it again this morning. 1 Peter 1, 15 through 17 says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, listen, who without partiality judges, he judges, New Testament, he judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear. You see, every day we live our lives with the holy fear of the Lord, realizing that He truly is the judge of all. And how we live matters. We conduct ourselves here in this life in fear. And I'll tell you, this will free you up Oh, I, some of you here this morning, I know you just kind of been in and out and playing games. It's time for you to get serious with God. Some of you here this morning, you, you're carrying a grudge. You've been wronged and you've been mistreated and it's just gotten you good. It's time for you to turn that over to God. Some of you here this morning, you feel like God has let you down and God has been unfair to you. It's time that you just decide to trust Him this morning. You see, I'm just telling you, a lot of you need to get free from some old bondages because you didn't know the truth, but I believe you've heard the truth this morning and that truth sets free. I want you to stand with me. I want our prayer partners to come.